Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Okay, good afternoon folks and welcome to the Louisiana Delta Podcast. I'm R.L. Frazier from Madison Parish, your host today, and along with me I have Kylie Miller from Concordia Parish. Later on in the interview, or later on in the podcast today, we're going to be joined by Mr. Dennis Burns from Tinsall Parish in his interview with uh, Mr. Marshall Hardwick of Somerset Plantation. And Marshall's going to be explaining and discussing a very new and innovative project they got going there at Somerset. So before we get into all of that, uh, Kylie, let's kind of kick around a little bit what we've been seeing happening in the parish since last week. What's happening on the south end down there? Well, we were real fortunate and got a nice little rain or shower last week. Some of us got, you know, close to two, two and a half inches. So that, that couldn't have that came at a better time. Uh, certainly perked the crops up. Everything's coming up real nice. Um, looking forward to hopefully catching that rain with, on the forecast for Sunday and Monday. That would that would be perfect if we could fall in there and get that. Oh, um, yes. But everything's growing, growing well and uh, looks pretty. So. Very good. Well, that's kind of the same thing I'm seeing up this way. You know, the, the rain kind of perked everything up, cooled things down, which was a really a blessing. Uh, you know, it just kind of made everything look, give everybody a little hope, man. We may be fixing to pull out all this mess we've been in this spring. Uh, on the downside, though, I did get a report a couple of days ago. We haven't had a chance to go out and look at it. The farmer and I hadn't been able to make connections of uh, possible some uh, poor pollination issues in some early planted corn. Uh, can't confirm that yet, but you know, we've got to look at that. So that would be on the downside. On the upside, like you said, the rain, we got anywhere from one to two inches. Uh, and I believe the cool weather that came along behind that has been, been as beneficial as anything. Uh, you know, kind of just cooling things down, helping us with that pollination issues. Uh, peanuts are looking really good too. Uh, boy, we, we were really needing a water or good rain on those. And like I said, this is, we talk a lot about the peanuts, but they're, they're new and they're interesting to all of us as we're working through them. Uh, but digging around in them, checking for moisture, I also had to dig up a plant to look and found my first little baby peanut underneath. We start to peg and they're really starting to come along and everybody's getting really excited about them. Uh, How many times have they had to water peanuts? Uh, once, so once, far. And that's fur irrigation. That right? is correct. That is correct, and we're having to learn. Uh, well, they've got a the company they're working through out of Jonesboro, Arkansas, is uh, they he they, they have a an agronomist with them or a consultant, whatever you want to call him at this point, that it helps advise too and. And he was telling me the other day that, that these peanuts, you got to be real careful with this uh, fur irrigation on them, that if you mm-hmm. overwater them, you can grow some really good hay, but you won't grow very good nuts. Mm-hmm. So we're having to really, really try to stay on top of it. We were very fortunate. We, we stressed them pretty hard there. And with that rain coming, you know, we just kept holding off. But... Uh, on that second watering so we got them got them watered good once they were holding and then got that good slow soaking rain you know inch inch and a half over a couple of different times that weekend so got them really wet good 
and they're really, really looking good. I look forward to getting up that way and checking them out. That's that's really interesting to me. Well, so. just come anytime you want. There, we got them. <laughs> like I said, from Madison to Transylvania, and we can look at them just about anywhere you want to look at them. There, uh, it like I said, it, it's just something new and interesting, and and hopefully, Absolutely. you know, another alternate alternative crop for us to to fit in this rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh. Another interesting thing, Dennis and I were at the station earlier this week. You know, we're working on this row rice project, uh, trying to see if we can fertigate it using putting our nitrogen in our irrigation water as we're watering and fertilize at the same time. You know, some of the concerns was was how was that was going to mix. So we got us some good vegetable dye and injected in there, semi using the dye to simulate the fertilizer into that pipe mm -hmm. and it was really interesting to watch that dye as it mixed with that water in that pipe and the first irrigation hole came out red and then all the way down the pipe just one at a time they would turn red you know pink whatever color you want to call that all the way down <laughs> to the to the last hole you know uh and it ran for i don't know hour there whatever it took us to get through it and then you begin yeah. to see that first hole begin to get a little lighter. And again, it worked its way all the way to the end. So no, we're seeing that with the dye, we're knowing that we're getting a good mixture and a good even flow of the fertilizer when we get ready to put that out probably tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Is that something that y'all might show at the, uh, the uh, field day coming up at the research station there? Or are y'all going to discuss it? Or Yes, yes. Yes, okay. that's our plans is to at least show the fertigation part and what we're doing there. Hadn't thought about maybe running a the dye through it. Don't know. That that may be something for a, for that day or time wise. Don't know if it'll allow us. But uh it was really interesting though to watch that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, you know, where I'm at for this week, you know, like I said, I hadn't heard of any insects, any other problems other than that one possible poor pollination on corn. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's good. And I, like I said, I hope we catch that rain coming this weekend because we're really considering thinking about turning an irrigation on probably starting Friday or Saturday here. So, you yeah. know, it comes quick. You don't get much time off. But, no, it doesn't. Um, but if we could catch that rain, that would be nice, certainly. So. Yeah. Well, that's great, Kylie, and that's all good to hear. Now, let's move on, and let's join Dennis Burns with his interview with Mr. Marshall Hardwick of Somerset Plantation and the projects they got going there. Dennis, it's yours. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, well, I should say afternoon. It's afternoon. Sun's shining. Uh, looks good. Uh, we've got some rain last week, most places around. Uh, crops look good. Corn's tasseling good, silking. Uh, everything's growing well. Cotton's coming on. Uh, we got some early cotton starting to square. A few things like that. The beans are looking. We got some early beans blooming. But uh, everything's looking good. But I'm here and I'm at Somerset Plantation in Tinsall Parish with Marshall Hardwick. And we're going to talk today about a new project that's coming out. And I'll let him all explain it, how it was done and all that. And we'll get into it. Uh, evening, Marshall. How are you? Good afternoon, Dennis. Thank you for having me. Well, good. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, this is an interesting project. I think it's been in, in the works for about a year, hasn't it? Something yes. like that. About yes. a year. Uh, tell me how the project came about. 
Uh, we were originally approached by um, the Taylor Foundation through through Tulane and also through LSU Ag Center, but um, it was a um, project that was designed to help um, farmers or innovate farmers or people in the industry to come up with ways to reduce nitrogen or, uh, or any kind of fertilizer while maintaining or increasing yields. Um, particularly get, keeping fertilizers out of rivers and bayous and everything and ultimately out of the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, the project was funded by the Taylor Foundation um, by Phyllis Taylor and um, she wanted to um, have this project go across the world. So anyone could that saw the invitation where it was able to submit it. Um, Mead and I were part of this program. We were both on the committee, selection committee, and there was, there was projects and ideas that came in that were extremely outrageous, um, very moderate. Some are just um, were out of the realms of thinking, but it was all based upon practical farming practices that could be implemented that could actually change the way people uh, farm in some crops. And um, so eventually got down over several months, it got down to five final contestants. They were um, four from the United States and one from Australia. And uh, again, it was the basis of um, how can you reduce your nitrogen fertilizer in corn production while maintaining or, maximize or, or improving your yields. And it was all based on economics and the price of corn back then, a year ago, two years ago. And um, so this took place in 2017. Um, we conducted it and held it on uh, Somerset. And we did our normal practices, farming practices throughout the field, and with the exception of where their plots were. And we implemented their um, their strategy or their plan or their fertilizer rate, whatever they had, we implemented it and um, then harvested it at the end of the year. And we, um, so that was the year 2017. And then they announced the winner in December down in New Orleans. Um, and it was a winner from uh, a gentleman from uh, Cornell University. And uh, Adaptam was his product. And it basically takes uh, the soil organic nutrients in the soil um, the amount we put into the soil uh, what's taken out of the plant yield all this uh, um you know math and, and algorithm and it produces or predicts the amount of fertilizer you've lost the amount of fertilizer that's still available the amount of fertilizer that's in the plant and so based upon his calculations he made some late season um, fertilizer applications that seemed to really pay off. So um, long story short of that um, was that it took place in 2017. The winner was announced and that was the end of the, the project. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Mead and I and my dad, we kind of talked and um, if there was one thing we were a little bit disappointed in is that the winner wasn't necessarily obligated to do anything in farming with that money. So we approached Miss Taylor about continuing this uh, project and this idea mm -hmm. and hopefully doing this over multiple years and getting a land-grant university like LSU involved that has a lot more scientists and research and to really uplift this, uh, this idea and this program to a, to a higher level. Okay. All right. And I have to be remiss. Now, you're, you're just one part of Hardwick Planning Company. 
tell us you got Mead and Mead's your brother and Jay, that's your daddy, and y'all are all involved. Now is Mary part of it too, your mama or is she uh, she is. So she is involved with Harvard Planning, but she is also the managing partner of Somerset. So she's our, our boss. We pay rent to her. Uh, she will be involved from a Somerset aspect of just um, it's being conducted on Somerset. So um, she will be involved with some decision making. Yes. Okay. Well, it's, that's what just trying to get every, make sure everybody mm-hmm. knows who you're. You just happen to be the one that we're talking to today uh, about this now. Tell me, uh, just tell me a little bit about the Taylor Foundation, what, who they are and what, you know, kind of what they are. So give us a little background on them. Mrs. Taylor is, uh, the foundation is um, Patrick Taylor Foundation. And um, as a lot of LSU people may know, there's a Patrick Taylor Hall. The engineering school at LSU is named after, after Mr. Patrick. Miss um, Phyllis is... Um, the the head of the foundation now and um, their foundation is funded and energized by the oil and gas industry um, and they that's what funds their their foundation um, mr patrick was from houston so he has some scholarships some fundraising that take place in in texas and louisiana um, numerous students high school students college students high schools colleges throughout the state and 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 in texas as well so they have a lot of influence and um of creating a environmentally sound industry and and humanitarian efforts as well okay that's good that's that's good now you y'all you and you and me kind of as y'all told me before just kind of came up with this y'all approached it and y'all contacted the Ag Center for some help and to get them involved. And we kind of, there was kind of came up with a dual purpose for this, didn't in that part of the goal? Like part of it is extension and part of it's research. Is that kind of y'all's, where y'all seeing this go? That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's right. They, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we do on our farm, which will be kind of a farm scale base, will also be conducted on small plots at, at uh, St. Joseph. Uh, research station and um, so that'll be um, I guess that's what you're asking that'll yeah. be plot size versus um, large scale yeah. or the, the research the technical research will be done on station and what y'all got those that's a hundred acre field right that's correct yes. and uh, it'll be more of the put into practice the extension side the demonstration this is you know this is what we the bmps or something mm-hmm. like that that's kind of in that kind of the way y'all are kind of laid it out right so the, our, our objective i guess for these large scales is to prove that um, what we're finding in small plot research is very uh, practical for large-scale farms to adapt um, mm-hmm. to implement and and to carry out yeah well that's yeah that's kind of that's kind of was my understanding and, and and part of it is, of course, is the educational side is the graduate students. Is there'll be three graduate now? Let me let's back up just a second. Um, hardwood planting here on Somerset is one location, and there's another location in um, South Louisiana on Sugarcane, correct? That's correct. Yes. And uh, that one, and they'll it'll be they're kind of like mirror images of each other. Y'all will deal with the crops y'all grow, which are 
corn, corn cotton, and soybeans. And soybeans. Yes. And uh, those... And the field is irrigated, correct? That's correct, yes. So, and that that's all plays into it. And I know the sugarcane field, I've been down there with Dr. Brenda Tabanya, who's one of the project leaders on the thing, and it's it's sugarcane and uh, and all everything that goes along with sugarcane. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, they plant this, they plant some this year and then they make three years out of it, and it's all rotated around. Uh, but it will be mirrored on St. Gabriel, the sugarcane station. They'll have basically the same thing, but in other crops down there. Now, um, a big part of it was, like I say, was the graduate students. You'll have one working here, uh, and then there'll be one with sugarcane, and then I'm, I'm a, I understand there'll be one in communications too. I believe so. Yes. Yes. That that's going. Those three will also go through. Of course, the, they'll go through their, and I believe these are PhD students, yes. my understanding. So they'll go through and get their Ph.D. based on this project, which is a three-year project? You know, I'm not sure. It is a multiple-year project, and uh, I think maybe three to four years. That's what, that's what I was understanding was three, yeah. hopefully keeping pushing forward. And, and a large part of it is outreach. Mm-hmm. And that's, I know y'all want to be able to show this to a lot of different people. A lot of, um, you're talking about students. Uh, who else were y'all had in mind for talk or like people coming here to see it? Who were y'all thinking? You know, we, I mean, we want to get this out as, um, as much as we can talk about as much as we can. We, we would like to host some field days of what we've done so far at that field day, that given day. Um, we also have talked about maybe this fall winter, having traveled to some, um, events, for example, the corn and co- cotton and rice conference down in mm-hmm. Baton Rouge. They were giving a talk down there, mm-hmm. doing several of those just to spread the word about what we're doing, what we're finding, um, also our problems that we're coming across, and maybe what we were thinking we'd find we didn't find. So we yeah. just uh, social media will be a big part of it. Uh, this podcast is being one of them. Um, so we're trying to our best to spread the word of what we're doing um what what we're finding that works you know cover crops are working good or not they not good or these rates fertilizer rates you know just whatever that is just mm-hmm. just spread the word and just give it out okay well that's that's great because i can also see that you could get maybe some people coming kids coming from schools or maybe you get groups that are coming through that have no idea where their food comes from mm-hmm. And, you know, and explain to them or, or all they see is what's on social media. You know, the, the bad side of farming, you're, we're poisoning the environment and creating this dead zone instead of trying to solve those problems. And do y'all see that as being a potential, you know, learning experience for people? Certainly it, it will. And, you know, the, I guess the new big word is sustainable farming and mm-hmm. um, in the, my generation, millennials, they're, they're becoming much more influential in terms of purchasing power. And these are things that they're concerned mm-hmm. about. So that is something that we have to pay attention to as an industry. And, and in general, I think we probably did not do a good job of explaining what GMOs were. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and then people that were against GMOs took it upon themselves to really spread the word of how bad they are. But now that sustainable is here, I feel that the industry is doing a much better job to get out there Talk about uh, sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, 
how we are improving the environment and um, and there's a lot of things that we've done been doing for 10 15 years and um, we just weren't calling it sustainable mm-hmm. but these practices some are new some are um, 10 15 years old and and so I think it's our advantage to not hide in the rural Americas to get out front talk about sustainable farming mm-hmm. talk about how we are the most sustainable farmers in the world and that we have the highest technology to allow us to be more sustainable and just publicize that. I mean, I think it's great bragging rights that we have mm-hmm. and uh, we should we should kind of boast our chest about yeah. it and then um, talk about it as much as we can. Okay, well, great. And I know this kind of fits in with, uh, I know Cotton Incorporated has a field point calculator mm-hmm. that actually assigns a numeric value somewhat to some of the sustainability where it would allow and, and that's what you're talking about is you're not just showing people or on social media showing them you're actually saying yes this is what we're doing we're not just telling you a, a tale here we're mm-hmm. we're actually can show you what we're doing and that's that's going that'll go a long ways don't you think yeah, yeah so the field print calculator is excellent tool to just see where you stand up um, and then compare to your county or parish and then to the nation and several different criterias and tillage being one, um, carbon dioxide release, emissions, um, cover crops, water quality, several different ratings that, mm-hmm. and it gives a little diagram to kind of show, show you where you are. And that will be implemented and that will be used in this project. And I think it's an excellent place to really see um, where you need to improve and, mm-hmm. and where you are doing, you are being successful. Okay. Well, do you have any uh, any other expectations as far as like little things that might just might come along, you know, with with I mean, over a three year or multiple year lifespan? I mean, do you envision some other little perks that that you're just thinking about that maybe you know may come to pass? I mean, I'm hoping this will just. Uh, we've got an excellent team um, from the LSU. I hope that just the process of going through this will generate newer ideas. Uh, the ultimate goal is to create best management practices that can be implemented um, across many acres to help reduce uh, nitrogen loss. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's ultimate goal from an environmental, economic, and just efficiency pers- perspective is that for every pound of nitrogen you put in the ground, you get a pound of um, mm. Uh, excuse me, a bushel of corn, say. Yeah. So one-to-one ratio, is, I think, is the ultimate goal. And um, maybe we can even get past that that, that benchmark. So um, I'm an open book to what my expectations <laughs> are. I, I just hope that we get something meaningful out of this. I hope it's something that will uh, actually change maybe some, some farming ideas, some best management practices mm-hmm. add to the list and uh, continue to be just a sustainable industry as, we, as much as we can be. Well, uh, well, that's all good. Well, as, um, as an agent for the Ag Center, and I'm, as you said, the team, I'm actually on the team here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, we appreciate y'all's cooperation. You're coming to the Ag Center with the idea, your support. Uh, and I think it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good, uh, a good project, and we'll see where it goes. I'm excited about the outreach and getting people, trying to teach people where their food comes from and we're not, you know, we're doing everything we can do to make it as, 
is profitable for you or for us, for y'all, is profitable, but without harming the environment and actually, in some cases, use of cover crops and stuff, maybe actually improving and doing a better job. But uh, I'm sure we'll be talking more on as... I know this is the first year getting started. Y'all got soybeans planted down there. Uh, I think James Hendricks is he's the envir- he's been up here putting out some fertilized strips. I think yes, he he has been doing some, some implementing some things, and this is kind of just this year we're using as preparing for 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we harvest the soybeans, we'll uh, I believe take some some soil samples, maybe some um, water quality samples. And kind of get a starting point, that's, and um, yeah. and then we'll kick it off in, yeah. in next next year. That's and I understand they they talk about cover plant and cover crops. That's uh, correct. Yes, different things. And it's really, I guess, with the sugar cane starts, and they're going to start about talking about planting cane in August, mm-hmm. when they they part of theirs will be in plant cane. So it's all just kind of it's it's going on now, beginning, but it's really won't really get going full steam till fall, till really. We kind of get this crop going. You've already got a crop going. So, all right. Well, we uh, appreciate it and we enjoyed having you here. And I'm sure we'll have you another day. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And um, yeah, thank y'all for your support. And thank you to uh, the Taylor Foundation for ultimately funding this. And I think it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Good deal. All right. All right. Appreciate it, Marshall. Thank, thank you. you. So, let's move on to the question of the day. What's Hairball question you got uh, up in Madison Parish this week? Something about manure and two, four D or grazon and, and cow, uh, horse pasture? Yes, it was. Uh, fellow walk called me, uh, second hand call really. He said, uh, got a call, or fellow asked him about it. He said that he had uh, had sprayed his pasture with grazon P and D or P plus D, proved product mm-hmm. for pastures, no problem. Grazing his horses on it. No withdrawal on time for grazing horses. You know, just grazing. Not a problem. Uh, and, of course, apparently they were bringing them up, feeding them at night, and or, you know, at some time, day or night, both. And the wife was gathering up the manure out of the stalls and hauling it out to the edge of the field, soybean field, and just spreading it. And he began to notice that the... Uh, Leaves were cupping on the soybeans, just like a, you know, a dicamba issue. But it was right there where the horse manure was at. And the question was, can the gray zone be transferred or carried through the digestive system in the manure, you know, and, 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 and then put on the field and released, harming the crops? Uh, you know, I sat there and I thought a minute about that. And I said, well, you know... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Possibly in a horse, a cow, I doubt it seriously because of the, the ruminant, you know, and the, the fermentation process there. I felt like it would probably be more likely to break down. But a horse being a uh-huh. simple stomach animal, yes, it may be enough of that undigested product. So, you know, me being a comic, I decided I'd call Dr. Daniel Stevens, our weed scientist, and Tell him I needed some help with a real serious question that needed somebody really smart to handle this. And I posed him the question, and he fired off right quick. Yes, it is. It's on the label. I said, do what? So it, it will. Make a long story short, you go and you pull the gray zone label, and it does tell you do not move livestock from a treated field to a broadleaf field without seven days of flushing them. 
to basically clean that manure out of them. You know, on an untreated field or do not use that hay for mulching or composting. It'll still have its effects there. Also, it clearly states, do not use manure from animals grazing treated areas on land used for growing broadleaf crops, ornamentals, orchards, or other susceptible and desirable plants. Straight off the gray zone label. So yes, if don't, you have somebody don't that is, don't put it in your garden. If, the big question is, if you have sprayed any type of a 2,4-D product on it for a weed killer. If you do, you need to wait, and I didn't read the label far enough to see, you know, whether it takes 10 days or 30 days for it to dissipate in the plant before you can go back to grazing. So if you're spraying graze on 2,4-D type products on your horse pastures or your cow pastures and trying to take that manure straight into the garden, you're going to have problems. <laughs> No, I know that's a popular thing to do over here in cattle pastures and, oh, yes. and stuff like that. So, um, definitely don't want to be in that situation. That would that would not be pretty. But. Not be pretty at all. So, you know, we never cease to get the the, the silly questions that turn out to be serious. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we beat yeah. this around enough for today, and. Uh, Callie, uh, what about some upcoming events? You know of anything that's happening around the area? Yeah, we got a lot coming up. It's getting to field day time of the year, so I'll just start right now with what's coming up in June. Uh, June 26th, we've got the Rice Research Station field day there in Crowley. Um, it's from 7 to 1230. Um, and then June 27th, that's the next following day, is the big field day and expo at Dean Lee in Alexandria, and that's going to start at 2.30. And again, there's going to be um, something for everyone at that field day, whether you're interested in cattle or row crop or even the horticulture. They also have something for the kids to do. Um, so bring your family, and they're going to serve supper that evening. I think it's 6. And then moving on into July, we've got the Northeast Research Station field day there um, July 9th. And that's going to start at 4.30 and go to 7.30. And I assume they're going to do a meal afterwards. Um, July 17th is the sugarcane field day at St. Gabriel, um, which is the rice research station there. And that's going to begin at 8 and go to 1 o'clock. And then the last one in July is the Northeast Louisiana Rice Field Day. And that's going to be in Marouge. And that one starts at 9. If anybody needs that address or location, Please reach out to somebody, one of us, and we'll get that address to you. And then one more coming up in August is the Sweet Potato Field Day, and that one's going to be at Delhi at Black Gold Farm, and that one starts at 8. All right. Well, very good. we got a lot of things happening, a lot of things coming up, a lot of interesting mm -hmm. things, and still hoping for these rains and cool temperatures and a good cropping season. So, Kylie, mm -hmm. with that, let's sign off for the day for this week, and uh, hopefully everything continues to move forward. Yep, that'd be great. So. All right, well, we'll see you next week then. Right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local extension office.